now the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. I am your host, Ralph Peterson, and this is going to be the cleanest, the cleanest hour in podcasting. This is going to be the funnest podcast ever. I guarantee it. I have the master. No, what did you call yourself? The king of poop. <laughs> what a great title. The king of poop, Mr. Jim uh, Caniglione. Hey, not bad, Ralph. Not bad. All right. All right. Caniglion. I'll put on the king of poop, but you made up what it was with Caniglion. All right. Very good. Your last name is the kind of thing like it's, you have to like be all committed because if you can't stumble, you have to go all in. That's right. All in. Caniglion. Caniglion, the king of poop. I absolutely love it. That's right. (laughs) I'm so interested in how you got in this business and i am so thankful that you are because it again just proves that there is business and opportunity everywhere for every person who's saying there's no jobs there's no work there's no way to do anything don't get me started with that (laughs) proof anyway proof right here mr jim caniglion the king of poop Owns a dog waste removal and geese. Is that right? Geese that's right. That's poop right. as well? Now that's... That's my favorite bird. A geese. Yeah, I'll tell you all about that. All right, all right. So let's start. As you know, I really enjoy starting in the beginning. So I imagine you were born and raised here in New York. Actually, four generations on Long Island in Glen Cove. My family's been here. So when I got out of college, I opened my own tire shop in my hometown. Wow. Back it up. I started from sweeping floors when I was 16 in a Goodyear store locally. And then when I got out of college, I ran the store. And then I said, if I'm going to get this aggravated, I might as well open my own business, right? So I opened my first, my tire shop in Glen Cove. And it was a thriving, great business because, you know, it's kind of a curse and a positive thing when you open up in your hometown because you know everybody and you know, that could be work both ways. But to me, it really worked in my advantage. And I had a thriving tire shop. But, you know, I loved it. It started changing and this and that. It was very busy. Huge success in our town. But I wanted to do something pet related. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know? Because I people spend money on their pets like crazy. But I just didn't know what I wanted to do with the pets. And I was at a friend's house. My friend's wife comes out with an antipasto and steps in some dog crap and started gagging. And I was like, wait a minute here. We might have something here, right? So I'm kicking it around. I'm telling my wife, I got this idea. You know, pick up dog poop and she's just like, whatever. You know, she's, she knows I always have crazy ideas, but I follow through with them. And I started telling everybody, because I talked to everybody in the tire shop that came in, you know, I got this idea. I think I'm going to, you know, pick up dog poop, bag it, <laughs> take it away, and charge everybody. And, you know, the people I was telling, half of them say, you're out of your mind. Nobody's going to pay you to pick up dog poop. And the other half say, if there's anybody that's going to make money picking up dog poop, it's going to be you. So 21 years later, here we are. Wow. That, I'm going to a party this afternoon. 
later on this evening, a little block party we got going on here in the neighborhood. And somebody is bound and determined to slip in some dog poop. And I wonder. It's beautiful. <laughs> we love when that happens. And if there were a gag, it's even better. It's guaranteed business. So that is pretty outstanding. Let's go all the way back though. So you grew up in Glen Cove. Grew up in Glen Cove. Yep. You went to so what was it like growing up in Glen Cove when you were a kid? Was it fun? Was it Glen Cove is a great community. Like one of the best. You're on the North Shore of Long Island. It's a very diverse, it's one of the two cities on Long Island. It's Long Beach and Glen Cove. And it's a diverse city. So you have all nationalities. Everybody gets along. And it's just really a tight-knit community. And it's a tight-knit Italian community, too. And being Italian, you know, our family intertwined in the city and, you know, with St. Rocco's Church. And I'm sure you guys heard about St. Rocco's Feast and all that stuff. You know, it's really, it was a great place and still is to grow up and live. What were you like as a kid? Did you work? Did you hustle? You must have had like a ton of side jobs. I started working when I was 14, moving a a local fabric store into a new building and this and that. And then, like I said, one day my dad got tires put on his car locally. And he said, by the way, I got you a job. They're moving the Goodyear store and you have to help move them. I'm like, all right. (laughs) That's great, right? And I was so into cars. I still am. And I helped them move. And I never left there. It well, worked through, you know, my younger years and then through high school, you know, starting from the ground up, sweeping floors and, you know, took interest in learning how to do different mechanical things and then tires and learning how to swing tires. And then, you know, all through college on breaks and stuff like that, I worked there. And, you know, they were grooming me to be the manager at the place. So when I got out, you know, I ran their place. No and, kidding. and then I hooked up with, you know, my friend's family bunch of properties and they were developers out Riverhead. And one of the properties they bought was huge tire store. So they asked me to run that. So I was a young kid with a lot of employees under my belt, twice my age, running a shop out Riverhead. And like I said, you know, I did that for three and a half years and it was the best experience ever. And I really thanked them for giving me that opportunity. But then I really wanted to do something else and do it for myself. Yeah. I felt a- create my own destiny. And I opened in Glen Cove, I opened this small one-bay shop. You know, I sold my new car, my first new car, sold everything I had and borrowed a couple of dollars from my family and opened my tire business. And what were you doing? Just changing tires or were you doing more service than that? No, we were just changing tires. That was it. And, you know, and the first three years I did seven days a week, you know, promoting my business. And like I said, being in your hometown... You know, it really helps because you build your reputation and the people knew my family mm-hmm. and my mother worked in the school district. So I got a lot of the teachers and stuff like that. And from being in town when I was you know, working at the tire shop locally, I knew all the stations. They knew me from when I was 16. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, it was an easy transition. And, you know, my father and my parents always said, if you do what you say you're going to do, you really will have no problem, right? Good so Lord. if we re- if somebody calls you, return the call. If you promise somebody something, deliver on the promise. And it's really the key to doing good business, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I built my reputation in the town. And so we were a really busy shop. We went from one bay to two bay, and then I moved it to a bigger location. But even when we were a one bay shop, 
the tire companies that we were dealing with come in, you know, to say hi every now and then. And like, this is your place. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I believe the amount of tires that we moved out of a small place. We were doing more out of a small one to two base shop than some guys that had six, seven base. So, you know, it's, you know, it's funny as you should be. I would have, I've only lived here on Long Island for a couple of years. I've only lived in New York you know, in lower New York here. I lived in Westchester when I first moved here, maybe five years ago. So, I mean, maybe it's been five, six years since I've been here and I'm from Vermont. And so if you were to say, hey, I started a tire company in Vermont, I see the million dollar dream. I mean, we, you know, the tires, because of the snow and the salt and the ice. And I mean, the tire places up there are, I mean, they're straight out. You have to wait three, four, five hours to get a set of tires on. Because the line is so long, I wouldn't have imagined the opportunity had been so great down here. So what we did is that we really, you know, we saw the problems that existed with a lot of these companies that if you went in to get tires, like you said, you got to wait forever. Mm -hmm. And then they only have three tires and then you got to come back for the other tire or they open up at nine o'clock in the morning. So we saw that where our niche was and we opened up basically at 7.30. So if somebody came in, my crew was like a pit crew. So if you had a flat, you were out in 10, 15 minutes. So you were able to come in, get your flat fixed, and go to work and make it there on time. You didn't have to explain to anybody, I had a flat, I had a wait. You didn't have to do any of that. We jumped all over it. And a set of four tires we had, you know, installed on the car in less than a half hour. And that is pretty impressive. Oh, how old I am, back then was when we had the tire shop, Everything was white walls. Nobody even, these kids, they don't even know what the hell white walls are anymore. Right? White walls are now turned on the inside. Exactly. But now, <laughs> but you remember when you bought tires years ago, they would leave the tire shop or whatever with the blue coating on the white walls. Now, you, as the new owner of the tires, had to go out there and scrub the white. We never did. If you bought tires from us, we scrubbed the white walls down. We actually put a silicone sealer on the outside of the tires so they shined. Nice. And all of the studs were coated with a never seize compound and our guns were torqued down. So what that does, if you ever got stuck on the side of the road, you were able to take your tire off. Because a lot of times you go to these places and wah, 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 they would whack the never tire. Never get it off, off yeah. And then you're cooked. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had a big market with used tires where we would grade the tires coming off. Some people would just take the tires off prematurely, whatever, for whatever reason, they're going to be tires. But we had a big used tire mark, and we would grade the tires and check the tires in a tank before we would sell them to the public. Because a lot of people would put a used tire on, sell it to somebody. The next morning, they get up the tires flat. And yeah, yeah. You know, so we would take the extra step. And, you know, that's why we were successful. I love everything about this. You know, my dad was what they call a backyard mechanic. And you know what a backyard mechanic is, right? A backyard mechanic is somebody who changes a tire by driving over it with another car <laughs> to get the tire off the rim. Yeah. You got to line it up yeah. just right. And you, <laughs> you have a crowbar or a large screwdriver. <laughs> you get that tire off. Many tires by hand. We used to do a lot yeah. of truck tires. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Very but again, I want to do something different, right? So who would have thunk? That my destiny would have been dog poop. 
I, you know, what did your parents do for a living? Were they business owners? Were they entrepreneurs? My father was a production manager for General Instrument, very business minded, entrepreneurial mind. And then he went in and opened his own business where he was brokering silicone during the boom of Silicon Valley and stuff like that. But, you know, he got ill and it was able to, he had to scale that back a little bit. And my mom was a secretary in the guidance office in the local middle school. So, oh, wow. They knew everybody in town. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious where you got, you know, it's hard to find kids who have some entrepreneurial streak. You know, you get it from someone. Like, who did you get it from? Who who the heck told you you could buy a business or you could run your own, your own business? My father always told me, never work for somebody. You got to go, open oh, your... There you go. That was the mindset. You know, you got to do it yourself. And, you know, I worked for people for a very short time and I was lucky that I worked for good people. But I always knew, you know... I really don't like people telling me what to do. So I said the best way around that is me opening my own business. And for the short time that I worked for somebody, I felt trapped that I can't move forward unless that person says, okay, now you can move forward. When you're in your own business, you create your own destiny. Yeah, a million percent. And you know what's interesting <coughs> about you saying that? What's interesting about you recognizing that so early on in your life? Because you, how old were you when you first started your tire company? I opened my tire company at 24. 24. That is very, you're way, I mean, that's young, right? That's. So it was young. Seems. And a lot of people didn't take you seriously in mm-hmm. the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. But then after they got to know me a little bit, then they would say, you know, that a lot of people, oh, what did your father give you this business? Oh, what did he give you this and this and that? No, my parents would be behind me 100% with everything I did, but they didn't give me, you know, just give me a business. I built it up. Like I said, the first three years was seven days a week. Now, when you're that young, it's hard to do seven days a week when all your friends are hanging out. Everybody's running out to the Hamptons. and Everybody's in the bars. Oh, meet me here. And I'm like, I got to go. I got to open up in the morning, you know. A million percent. So there was a lot of sacrifice. And that's, yeah, a million percent. that's a problem nowadays is we could go into that whole section, but the, the, you know, the, a lot of people don't want to make the sacrifice nowadays. They're all the new generation. You know, when I find somebody that, that has the entrepreneurial mindset now, I embrace it and, and I mentor people. We'll get into that. Yeah, that's awesome. I got to tell you, and maybe it's because of this show and the people that I'm around, but I mean, I'm around entrepreneurs all the time and I meet housekeeping, cleaning company managers and owners that are just go-getters, you know, nothing stops them, you know? So I like that. On one hand, I agree. Like, it's so hard to find someone around here who's got some entrepreneurial spirit. You know, these kids nowadays, they all want to work in finance. Nobody wants to build anything. I say that. And then I surround myself with everybody I know is an entrepreneur. Everybody I know is hustling, you know, 24 hours a day, you know? So I know that there's both sides, you know, both sides at all. So it's really great that you started so young and you had some sort of that whole idea of my parents didn't say you should never work for somebody. You should, you know, my parents were always like, you got to get a good job. You know, keep your mouth shut, head down, work hard, you know, in 10 years you'll get promoted and another 10 years, maybe you'll get promoted to something else. You know, that's kind of the family background that I came from. I certainly didn't come from do it yourself kind of thing. I had a paper route and that kind of stuff as a kid, but it wasn't until... And here's the thing, you kind of reminded me of it. You were talking about how you can't get ahead when you work for somebody unless they get ahead. And that's a huge lesson because 
There's this thing in management where sevens will only hire fives. And what that means is they're to scale from one to 10. The way, you know, the ability of the manager is at a seven. They would never hire another seven. They wouldn't hire an eight. They'd only hire fives. Right. And which means they'll only hire people they feel that they can control, manipulate, manage, right? But the challenge with that is they will also never give you the ability to jump over them. And so not only will they only hire a five, but they'll keep you at a five. Right. And so there's absolutely zero growth opportunity. If you're working for somebody who's like at a seven leadership level, get out. (laughs) You'll never get over them. You'll never get over them. It's crazy. Well, we have to encourage entrepreneurs. If I see a kid on the side of the road with a lemonade stand, I mean, I run over and give that kid 20 bucks and talk to them and, you know, tell them, look, what you're doing is great. They probably think this guy is crazy, but, you know, I just did it recently in Glen Cove and the father came out. I'm diabetic. I saw how much sugar you put in that thing. I'm like, I'm just so happy to see kids taking the initiative to go out there and do something and get away from these video games and whatnot. Please, nephews, all they do is play video games. Drive me crazy. I agree. I hear you. I, although I always, and I don't do it, but I always like the idea there's got to be somebody because there's you who sees the seven, eight, nine-year-old with the lemonade stand and you want to encourage them and give them a hundred percent more than what they're asking. And I just hope there's also someone else that comes behind you and says a dollar. I ain't paying a dollar. I'll give you 75 cents. <laughs> Cause you have to know both sides. You have to be. And maybe you should do every other one. Like, you know, the next one you see, the last one you gave 20 bucks. The next time you're going to try to get a little cheaper. Can I get two for one dollar, two dollars? Who's paying two dollars? <laughs> Super great. So you kind of told the story already on how you got into the dog cleaning business. But had you ever heard of anybody doing that as a business it was, before? It was a, there was a guy I read about that was doing it. After the fact, you got to remember, there was no internet back then. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started and we putting together, let, let me back it up. When I was telling everybody about the business and stuff like that, this guy said, I would pay for that. Oh, I would pay for that. Oh, I would pay for that. And my tire shop. So my first week when I decided to launch the business, I had 10 customers. So that's why I was like, hmm, we got something here. As, as time went on, I found out there was a guy in Ohio that was doing it and this and that quickly, you know, we became friends and we started calling stuff. So I'm one of the founders of the industry and I'm recognized as that now, which is a big thing for me because I'm able to give back. But in the beginning, like I said, there was nobody doing this. So we had to figure it out the hard way. So we made obvious mistakes. Like you would think from a business standpoint, people are in their yard in the summertime, right? So you would think that would be an opportune time to do your advertising and focus your advertising budget in the summer. But it turns out that really isn't the best time because people are, even though they're in their yards, they're traveling, they're doing this, who's on vacation. It's a very crazy time. We have a lot of growth in the summer, but the real growth is, believe it or not, in the wintertime and the spring. Because the wintertime in the Northeast, nobody wants to go outside and pick up dog poop. They're freezing their butt off. Mm-hmm. So soup all year long. Mm. Uh, fantastic. I mean, you have a few times in the wintertime where you have a blizzard or a heavy snowstorm, but 
no matter how much you wish that poop is going to go away, it's not going away. No, it isn't. Don't wish it away all winter. And come springtime, these people that haven't picked up since Thanksgiving. We love that. You know, I'm curious. I'm curious because there's, and I legitimately am just curious because I have no idea. Do you charge by dog? By area, by time, by weight, like there's so many. It took me a while, but I got the dog's butt figured out. Right? I, got, <laughs> I, know, I know who poops more, who has a higher metabolism. Let me tell you, in 21 years, it wasn't easy, right? So we figured it all out. So we base our pricing on your breed of the dog because what dog poops the most? Do you know? I have no uh, the largest dog, maybe like a Great Dane. Yeah. Boxer, highest metabolism, man. That thing's like <laughs> Love that dog. Anyway. Would have never guessed a boxer. A boxer. Golden Doodle, the new dog of the Sure, the sure. Oh, yeah. He's very productive. <laughs> so anyway, we base everything on the breed, the frequency, and the size of the yard. Because obviously, you know, we base everything on an eighth of an egg. Okay. Mm. If you got a half acre, you know, you're on Long Island. You've got to walk further. One acres, two acres, whatever. And if you have to walk that, we have that all figured out too. We walk and train our guys to walk in a grid pattern. So they overlap, almost like the FBI. And we make sure we get all the poop. Because if you're walking one way and don't backtrack, you're going to miss something. Of course. Um, and for whatever reasons, dogs poop more by swing sets, whether they want to be closer to the kids. We still have to figure that out. You know, and you have to check the patios, you have to check the decks. When we sign people up, it's very, it's a process where we figure out exactly where we're scooping. Because if you have a big property and the dog only goes in one little section, we don't want to charge you for two acres. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're charged correctly and not overcharged. But then again, you have people that say, my dog only goes here and he goes into two acres. So you got to figure it all out. Yeah. Uh, but we have... Most people are, you know, well, obviously once a week, but if you have a big dog, once a week is really underserved because you need twice a week. Because let's say if we come on a Tuesday and you're using your yard, we're not going to be back all the way until next Tuesday. That's a lot of poop in the yard. So we try to spread it out. And we have people that we have every day. Yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't have even had a guess on how often you should be doing it. We guide them depending on what breed they have and what, you know, we've done this a long time. And if they have kids, if they have pools, like in the summertime, we encourage our once a week customers that have kids to go to twice a week for Memorial Day to Labor Day. Because if you're going to be outside and using your pool, the kid's going to step in the pool. Oh, my. Then on the other hand, people say, well, my kids are home, so we're going to put our service on hold. We're like, okay, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Two weeks, they call up. <laughs> My kid didn't want to do anything. We end family arguments. Right? People say, I can't believe how lazy people are. They don't want to pick up their dog poop. Yeah, some lazy people. But then most of the people on Long Island are everywhere, right? And anywhere, I should say. Everybody's stressed out. They got taxes. They got to pay this. They got to pay private schools. They got this, that, the other. It's crazy, right? So everybody wants to have, you know, the two kids, the white picket fence, and the pet. So now you come home, you beat, and you got to go out and pick up dog crap. So we're really, you know, so inexpensive. I mean, for like a medium-sized dog in a regular house, once a week's eleven dollars. You can't even go to McDonald's for eleven dollars. Super so inexpensive. Very, Definitely very, worth it. 
Yeah, definitely and worth now, it. We get one person on the street. We wind up getting everybody that has a dog on the street. You got to remember when we first started, nobody even knew because it was brand new that a service like this existed. And we, you know, broke the barrier over here. And now there's a lot of little guys that popped up and that's fine. I encourage competition. What, what year? What, I hate competition. What year? There's <laughs> enough dog butts for everybody. Sure. Certainly. Certainly. But I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, you know, competition is healthy. Healthy for who? I, I don't like competition. Well, to come to healthy me. for us because, you know, these guys, a lot of guys that open up, they don't follow through, right? Like we said before, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, you're not going to last. So we've seen so many guys, oh, I can do that. That's easy. And, you know, is it easy? If you're in business, nothing is easy. You have to deal with customers. You have to make sure you, you protect your reputation, make sure you're doing the right job. There's billing involved. There's routing. Let's get to routing. When we started, we're so old, there was MapQuest. You remember that stupid of thing? Course. Go down two-tenths of a mile and make a right. <laughs> what? Did I go two-tenths of a mile? I got bad enough with a GPS now. With that, what? Be crazy. <laughs> what year are we talking? What year did you actually start doing this? 2000. 2000. Okay. All right. Yeah, you said 21 years now. So 2000. You know, when I was a kid, picking up dog poop wasn't a thing. <laughs> I mean... Wherever the so dog went, laughs, right? My family laughs because we had a dog and we had to pick up the dog poop. I always used to get out of it. I used to stick my brother. Oh, is it my week? Take over my week. I still owe my brother like 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that, right? I love it. That's so funny. So getting back to routing, right? People are like, oh, this is like landscaping. Look. Landscaping's easy. You show up, you cut the grass, it's nice, you blow it a little bit, and you go on to the next house. With picking up dog crap, you got to make sure that your routes are tight, like anything, and you got to make sure that the frequency, if they're more than once or twice a week, makes sense. You're not going to book somebody on a Monday and a Tuesday. That person wants a Monday, Thursday, a Tuesday, Friday. You got to have a spread that makes it right. So now you have to put that person, that technician, with that spread in that town on Long Island or Westchester, wherever we are, on those particular days and make those routes tight enough that they're profitable. So it's a huge undertaking to do that. Two things. Number one, I love that you call them technicians. I don't know why. That just tickles me. I don't know what else you would call them. <laughs> technician. It's they funny. Are. It's still <laughs> funny. It's funny. And number two, I think you're speaking to something that's even. <laughs> that's right. And number two, speaking of poop, you're speaking to something that's right in my wheelhouse that I really enjoy. And that is the actual operation side, the strategic operation side, the whole, you know, the whole idea of FedEx, UPS. They've learned a long time ago that they never take a left hand turn, right? All of their routes are put in a way so that they make the least amount of turns, they wait in the least amount of traffic. They, and it's so fun to think about. And I hadn't until you started talking about it. But so fun to think about how much goes into how do you walk a property? How do you, I mean, I wouldn't so have even my, given my that a guide, thought. My technicians will read the property, right? So the first initial cleanup, you really got to learn the property and where the dog goes. So we're getting notes from the person when we sign up. 
So but they a get... lot of times it's not accurate. So we have to really see because they don't know. They don't watch the dog go. So we learn, and you learn a lot about the dog. You know, if the dog is sick, if they have, you know, their food isn't good. You know, we know right away when the guy's buying a Walmart food. No good. No. Let me ask you a question, just because I don't know, and I'm just thinking out loud here. We have a small bank, so we let our dog out. So he's on a runner. So he, we know exactly where he poops because he can't get off the runner. But the runner, there's a small bank. And for some reason, he likes to back himself up onto the bank. And that's where he does his business. Do you have any thoughts behind that? <laughs> I don't know, man. You got a defective dog? No, they do that. I'm kidding around. They do weird things, right? We had one that was backing his butt up and going in the guy's planta. <laughs> That's some real fertilizer right there. It's crazy. Dogs are a lot of fun. You know, my we always show up with biscuits. We ask if we can give biscuits to the dogs. And my guys love animals. You know, we have a lot of retired military first responders. We have really good guys working for us. That is so and fun. There's another thing, too, something you wouldn't think of. Like, we take a pet getting out or escaping extremely seriously because you know what it's like if your pet gets out you're devastated man what's running through your head something's gonna hit it with a something's car. gonna hit it with the car you know, yeah just, of course please so we hand check all of our gates before we leave the property and my guys or girls let any you know a gate swing and close you're never gonna see that from us we hand check it and if somebody's gate is not functioning right if for whatever reason, the hinge is bad. If we see something wrong with a fence, we now snap pictures and we have a new app that we integrated into our service that we're able to send it right to the customer and say, look, you got to address this because the dog's going to get out, blah, 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 blah. You have, did you develop an app or what is this? There is a company that we consulted them in developing the app and it's working very well. And What is the app started, called? What's the name of the app? Called Sweep and Go. <laughs> Sweep and Go. The guy, Ogie, that developed it has put a lot of time into it, a lot of feedback from us and other scooping technicians. Like I said before, the industry now is growing. So I would say that we went from nobody to, I would say, probably 3,000 across the states right now. 3,000 other dog poop cleaner uppers. So the industry is growing and there's a site on, on Facebook that a lot of people sign up for that are in the business and stuff like that. And, you know, because I'm recognized as one of the founders, the king of poop, people <laughs> to me all the time. And, you know, I really get great pleasure into mentoring these people, you know, because if I can help them and they don't have to go through a lot of the things that I had to go through and I can guide them and they can become successful faster, it gives me great pleasure. Really That's does. Awesome. You know, I get calls from people, you know, if it wasn't for you, I've doubled my business. If it wasn't for you, I would never have bought the house that I just bought. If it wasn't for you, I could never take the kids on vacation to Disney. That's got to feel amazing, right? That's got to feel amazing. Yeah. That's super great. So do you have intentions? Are you going to leave this business to your kids? Or are your kids getting involved? How old are your kids at this point? I have one daughter and she's going to High Point University. She's going to be a marketing major. She's brilliant, creative. She gets it. Nice. Back to training the kids when they're younger. My daughter, Jamie, started working for us, I don't know, 13, 14, if that, routing. And 
At that point, we had technology that we were using that we partnered with TomTom Telematics, and we brought GPS and tracking and the routing system with a guy from California into the poop scooping business. And at that point, we had to make the routes and stuff like that. And every night, we had to electronically send the routes to each truck that a specific technician was in. And my daughter, Jamie, did that every single night. Wow. So that was a huge responsibility for her from a young age. But, you know, she did that and she worked at a local pharmacy. And the local owner of the pharmacy said, you know, I got to tell you that your daughter has your and your wife's work ethic. Nice. You know, to me, that, you know, that was the best compliment. I remember I have a son, he's 32 now, but when he was 16, 15, 16, he worked at a restaurant. And I remember he had been working there for maybe two months. I remember going in just some random Saturday afternoon and meeting the owner of the place, you know, and he was so complimentary, like Kyle's the best. I felt like I won the lottery. Like it's, you know, it was just the greatest because believe me, this guy, if she was slacking off, he'd be like, so Who the yeah. heck? <laughs> Who raised this kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is super so great. Good for you. Yeses and stuff like that. That was a huge thing. And, you know, I was featured on Fleet Magazine on the cover. That was kind of cool. And yeah, and- you've been, you've acted. Is that right? You've been an actor. You've. Well, all kinds of stuff. So now there's, they wrote me up. And did a story in, you know, New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Huffington Post, you know, Newsday countless times, radio stations. I need to get a hold of your publicist. I need some of this exposure. Yeah, right? well, I got a book deal coming out, man. Give me a book deal. The tentative title is Golden Nuggets of Knowledge. <laughs> it should be Brown Nuggets of Knowledge. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, when I... I did the Wall the New York Times article, and that was crazy, right? Because it was about I developed a vacuum to suck up the goose poop because the goose poop is a huge problem. Like I said, I love that bird. Goose uh, poop is a major problem. I'm a cyclist, and I, we ride through parks a lot. And I mean, holy heck! So developed a vacuum called the GSS 1000 Turbo, and that stands for Goose Shit Sucker. (laughs) So anyway, they wrote me up in the New York Times and everything, and then I get a call at the office, and it was William Morris Agency, and they were, blah, 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 can we interview you, this and that? At the end of the interview, they were like, we were hoping you were a character, but you exceeded our expectations. (laughs) On TV? I'm like, of course. So... We wound up having yeah, meetings at uh, William Morris Agency in Manhattan. Crazy. Treated me like a rock star, right? You're the, the next. We can't believe we're going to do this and this and everything. And then IMG Media, which is a huge company, they signed on and they wanted to do the pilot with us. So the name of the, the TV show for Animal Planet, because they were interested in it, was called Turd Herders. And I had a cast of characters that we had on this show that, forget it, we filmed the pilot, and again, we had to go through focus groups and this. We've cleared every hurdles. We even met with them at William Morris because they were talking about 
what picture they were going to use on the billboard in Times Square. That's how crazy this was. And you know, like you see in the movies, Jimmy, baby, you want me to get you a cappuccino, cappuccino? That's how they want, right? So anyway, we go through this whole thing and we film the pilot and everybody's involved. My wife, my daughter, everybody, all the, the cast, the characters at Scoopy. And we have seasoned cameramen that have filmed, you name it, on Animal Planet and other networks. And they had to put their cameras down multiple times because they were laughing so hard. They and they're just and they're just filming you guys picking up poop. No, it was all backstories. You never saw uh, any poop, really. <laughs> I, so it was all about, are you kidding me? You didn't do this house. Why are you? It was all crazy, right? So it's reality TV. The reality is there is no reality. It's all stage. <laughs> I'm out of contract now, so I can say that. Anyway, so we make it to the end. We move into the new office, everything. They order 14 episodes. And all the people that we're involved with, are the best people. I mean, everybody gets along. There's the people at Animal Planet, the, everybody was the best, right? We had no jerks around, everything. So happy, you know, we're like here. And then we're supposed to shoot in September, mid-August, we get a call. Everybody sounds like, who died? Somebody's like, what's going on, right? The new CEO, this woman that came on as the new CEO of Discovery Network, decided that she didn't want to put her name on a show about dog poop. She got cold feet. And she thought that the public would be turned off by dog poop. And how dumb is this lady? Because everything after that was poop emojis, poop this, poop right everywhere you look. Dirty jobs, that guy. Oh, please. And we were right up there with Dynasty. We were, you know what? So they wound up Filming the pilot, everything. They spent a ton of money on this thing, too. And I wish I could show you the pilot, but they own it. Amazing. You would be on the floor laughing. But then we got called from every other network. You can't even imagine who was talking to us. And every time we made it right to the end, and then somebody would be nervous, you know, whether to put on something with Doku. And they really dropped the ball. They even had one. And we did turn down two contracts because they wanted to own our image and control everything we would say without any creative input. So they basically would have, you know, my wife and I fighting with each other. You're going to do that. No, nah, we're not going to do that. So, you know, you got to know when to pull the plug. But one funny yeah. was country music television, right? They Skyped me four times, interviews, this, that. Can you interact? And at the end of the whole thing, they said, well, we just we found out that well we think you're a little bit too much New York Italian. What the hell did you think of? <laughs> you couldn't have figured that out after the first ten seconds. So the king of poop, Mr. Jim Canigliolli. Yes, he hey, I almost stumbled upon myself. How could you? How could anybody mistake you for anything other than New York Italian? I don't know. I mean, seems crazy. I do love the title Turd Herders. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that should be the name of the book. Turd Herders. We shall see. <laughs> so how did the pandemic affect you at all? Did you have any? Pandemic was hard just because people were scared and nobody mm -hmm. knew what was going on. And, you know, you hit one thing one day, one thing another day. People wiping down groceries, this, that. We had some people that 
you know, we were essential basically because we have to clean up the waste removal. But you know, some you know, our guys took every we took every precaution with masks, gloves, everything to service everybody's yard. But it was just a very strange time, right? Did you lose any clients? Did you lose any yeah, business? We did. We lost a bunch. A bunch came back, but you know, you had a feel for people that lost their job. Now they're home, you know. And then we had people that were working from home and they had the bright idea that, you know, we're gonna do this now. It's the same as the kids, they wind up calling us back after a few weeks. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the greatest tagline you said so far. We stop what'd you say we stop family from fighting or something? You know what it says on the back of all of our trucks? We take a lot of crap from our customers. There you go. That's right. That's right. Actually, I was out running and I saw one of your trucks. It's how I even found you. I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. I was so excited when I saw the truck and I was like, I got to find this guy. This guy's right for me. So it is an amazing business and it's really opened so many doors that you wouldn't even imagine with dog poop. You know, we wrote, I work with a local friend of mine who's an accomplished screenwriter and playwright, Fred Stropple, and we wrote a screenplay by the same name, Turd Herders. <laughs> and we had great interest in that. And then Adam Sandler was filming in Glen Cove his movie The Week Of. So I basically talked to his bodyguard and had the got poop shirt on. He's laughing this and that. Next thing you know, I'm sitting with Adam Sandler, pitching him on the the the, the script turd herder because the main character, me, was written for Kevin James, who we tried to get, and then the other character was Adam Sandler. So I told him, Adam, just imagine, coming soon, Adam Sandler, turd herder, like crazy, right? So he is the best down-to-earth guy you could possibly imagine. So true to his word, we had a, another contract from William Morris Agency the next day, which was a look contract. So we signed that, sent that back to William Morris, and there's a whole backstory to that. I don't know if we want to get into it, where the head guy at William Morris got caught groping that oh. Terry Crew guy. <laughs> no, we don't want to get into that. So anyway, everything fell apart, but Adam loved the thing. But they found, they said that they passed on it because of the turmoil, but they want him to do more serious roles. Why do you want to take a comedian and give him serious roles? Just let him be funny. You know, the rumor, there's rumor that he's now living on Long Island. That's what I heard. Or he's, he is. Is he? Everybody's like, oh, I saw, you know, nobody I know has seen Adam Sandler. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who's seen Adam Sandler. <laughs> I know where he lives. I'll tell you later. Ah, there you go. There you go. I'm the opposite. I'm not going to go stalk him at all. So uh, yeah, he's a cool dude, man. If you yeah, see he sounds like a cool dude. Totally down to earth guy. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, but I'm not much of I'm not much of a stalker. So no, like, he, he actually put me in the week of his movie. I played a fat Italian at a Jewish wedding. Nice, yeah. nice. I remember who was Ronnie the limo driver was in that movie, right? Wasn't he? You must have worked with him then, because wasn't he in the funeral scene? I guess he was in the, the that's the I was in the, I was yeah, at yeah, the house at the wedding. The weddings, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, in the Irishman, I was a teamster. Really? And the whole day with Al Pacino, like, hanging out with him. It was pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Look at you. You got poop. It goes from tires to poop to movie star. That's a trajectory not a lot of people can claim. Well, here's another one. I kind of got screwed with, got screwed with COVID, right? Because 
I'm partners in a nightclub too in, in Roslyn called My Father's Place. That's a whole other story. So I'm going to introduce a comedy act on stage and my phone rings. I'm like, who the hell is this? And it's the casting company. And David Chase, who developed The Sopranos, they said, you've been selected by David Chase to be in the new Sopranos movie. Ah, I'm crazy, right? Right. And I go into Steiner Studios in Brooklyn and I get fitted and I, I got to show you the picture. I look like an undertaker. Anyway, <laughs> I'm all excited. I'm out to dinner with Kathy and we're shooting on, on Monday morning and we get the call that everything shut down with COVID. Uh. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then what I left out is they were going to put me in the SAG union because it's a union shoot. David Chase was signing off on putting me in. So you're going to get a SAG card. Yeah. So a year goes by, many calls, everything. And then it comes down, they scaled the scene down to only SAG actors. And they went from 60 people down to 20. And I kind of got bumped. So anyway, whatever. You know, my, my wife... Just recently, I'm not sure exactly how recent, but pretty recently, she just went to an event at my father's place and she raved about it. Yeah, it's a great club. It's a great club. We're just trying to sort out when we can open up again with COVID. That's the problem. Yeah. And I had never heard about it before. So I was like, she's like, I'm going to this place called my father's place. I was like, what? What is that? Well, back in the 70s and 80s, it was a huge launching pad for many rocket uh, bands, artists that became superstars and comedians. Yeah. So it's That's an pretty great place. And then we reopened at the Roslyn Hotel, which is now the Roslyn Hilton. Absolutely gorgeous. So you guys will know about it, believe me, in a big way when we open back up. We're just when, trying when, to sort out the whole COVID thing, right? Yeah. So what's a lot of bands aren't touring because of COVID. Of course. So it's tricky. What's the- What's on the horizon for you? What's the future of Scooby Who dog removal? Well, I, what's the next I, big thing? Do I, you have together a business kit where is a training manual and videos on how to get started in the business? Think about I, franchising? Yeah, a business opportunity, not a franchise. And I sold those, you know, across the United States, and, and then I stopped selling them, and I've trained those people. And now I'm just doing private mentoring classes where I don't charge anybody. I have people all over the United States. I have people in the UK that I talk to. We have a Zoom with them next week, one in Australia. So it's really cool that I get to reach out, especially the UK, because I think they have a crazy accent and they think the same thing about me. So I don't know what the hell they <laughs> So it's great. We have a lot of laughs. But, you know, then people that want to take it one step further – you know, because if I really have to dig into their business, let's say they're they're in business for a year and they're not making any money, they made all the mistakes, then I do a, a paid coaching system with them where, you know, I'll coach them for maybe six one hour sessions. Yeah, now and you're talking my language. A lot because, mm-hmm. you know, every week or two weeks we evaluate and see what they've done and we get them back on track. And we've turned a lot of, you know, guys that thought they were going to close are now booming. A friend of mine named Ron Holt is going to be on the show here pretty soon. And he is a, he's the owner of two maids in a mop franchise out of the South in Georgia. And he is huge, but he started, you know, kind of similarly, you know, he started on his own and then he decided he was going to do a franchise. And so it might be, I don't know, why can't you do Scooby Poo franchise? I think it'd be a great idea. 
it is a good idea. And, you know, I, I'm not ruling it out. I really like helping the people and doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching. My daughter's going to school at High Point University. I recently met with the vice president down there, and they've asked me to come and speak to the entrepreneurial class and nice. stuff like that. And then my good friend, Mitchell Schlimmer, he is the founder of the Entrepreneurial Hall of Fame and Epicenter in Atlanta. And he has, you know, inducted people into the Hall of Fame, Sir Richard Branson, the first woman billionaire, founder of Spanx. He was very close friends with the owner who passed from Subway and from Chick-fil-A. So Mitch is really big league and Mitch is a very interesting guy. So anyway, he's changed a lot of lives and he has a foundation called the Magic Wand Foundation where 40,000 kids have come through this foundation in 14 years. And he has the thing, the seven mindsets of success and being in business. And he teaches that to them. And it's changed a lot of lives. And because of that, so many of these kids have started their own businesses. And it's just, it's an amazing situation to be in. So Mitch and I are talking with my daughter's college. We're maybe doing something in maybe moving the Entrepreneurial Hall of Fame from Atlanta to High Point, North Carolina. Wow. So that's on the horizon with me. That, the book, you know, Scoopy, I love it. You know, I love helping people. So that might be my destiny. There's so many different opportunities and going, you know, judging based on where, where you came from to where you are now. I mean, I don't know if I'd be willing to put money on a bet in which direction you go. It's so crazy what you find yourself getting into. It sounds super fun. What's all that stuff behind you? Like you have a ton of... That's the wall of poo. The wall. <laughs> People from all over bring me little poop emojis, this, that. You know, when they see something funky poop related, they buy it. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of fun over here. I think that is super fantastic. Look, you got to have a good sense of humor to be in this business. Otherwise, forget it. And when I meant to people, too, I said, if you don't embrace who you are, if you're embarrassed, you're the dog poop guy, get out of the business. You don't belong in that. 100%. I have the same thing with being a cleaner, being a cleaning business owner, being a housekeeper. You know, a lot of people do not, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want anybody to know. I was even that way, you know, at one point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace it. I, my business card is a toilet. You know, that's. There you go. That's it. That's where it's at. That's where I'm at. Specialize. People are like, do you make money doing that? Nah, I just like the smell of dog poop. What are you, crazy? Again, the cleaning business is the seventh largest industry in the world. And this is clearly, you know, my friend Casey Everton cleans garbage cans in Utah. Brilliant. Brilliant. It, amazing. He literally has a truck that he goes around and picks them up, pressure washes them. Love that idea. There's literal money everywhere. And in the cleaning business. You got to apply yourself and, and think. Let's not even say think outside the box. Throw the freaking box out. Just think. Well, let's back to these kids today, right? Nobody wants to work. You know, now with this government handout, hopefully that thing is over quick because it's ruining all these guys. We knew that from day one. We're in competition with the government. If you're going to go and pay somebody to sit home, why are they going to take the initiative? Yeah, I agree. And you know what the worst part about that happening, the worst part about the free handout is people 
and the people who have been on the dole, you know, been taking the government handout for a long, long time, they just simply don't know this. And they wouldn't believe me if I told them. But you know it as well as I do. The number one, the biggest downfall of that is you don't have the opportunity of realizing your own potential. Right. The potential is in the struggle. The potential is in the getting and going. The potential is in the moving. If you're being paid to not move, you know, that's why golden handcuffs are so terrible. And golden handcuffs are what I suffered from for a long time. That is, you have to have a job, get a job, get a job, get a job. And then you work, you do everything you can, do just enough to not lose your job. And so you yourself don't grow. You yourself don't try to get ahead. You, you Because right. you, you're just trying to stay under the radar and keep that job, those golden handcuffs. There's nothing worse. Nothing worse. Well, I agree. So hopefully this mandate is done. If they do an extension on it, that's just going to hurt all U.S. businesses right now. You know, no matter what business you're in, you can't really get people to work right now. They would rather sit home. It's a very sad situation. A million percent. I wonder, is there, and, you know, I'm going to say this, and don't shoot the messenger. I'm just asking. But is there a self-pooper picker-upper in the future? Are you going to start having little robo-pooper picker-uppers if you can't get the staff? Maybe you have. <laughs> I, own, I own a lot of domains that pertain to that business, so I got to cover it if it does go that way. Oh, good. There you go. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you never know. There was one guy that was trying to do a almost like, a, like an Uber pooper scooper, and I do own that domain too. But <laughs> what is the domain? I, Uber pooper scooper. <laughs> you never know. Sure. Sure. Uh, then there was one guy that was trying to do something that if the dog pooped when he was walking, you would like flag it on an app and then there would be a local guy that would come and pick it up. That's never going to work. That'll never work because... It'll work in the city maybe, but you know, what is the guy going to fight traffic to go pick up poop on the sidewalk? It's not going to work. Not only that, but on the other end of it, we live in a nice neighborhood. And we have a problem with people, not a large problem, but enough of a problem where people will either not pick up after their dog or they'll pick up after their dog and then leave the bag in your yard or they'll throw their bag in your garbage can. I know. I know. And if you created the situation where you could leave your garbage anywhere and somebody would come along and pick it up, the neighborhood would be swimming in crap. I mean, people would just come out of the woodwork and leave it there. Well, it should be going down to a minimum now because the ring cameras pick up everything, right? So you'll know who's leaving the poop bags and stuff like that. The ring cameras surged during COVID. And then, you know, they would be like, I didn't see your guy come in that gate. Okay, because he goes in the other gate. You know, they're good for some things and they're bad for others. Yeah, you know, that's funny because I bet you do have... I bet you sometimes run into that problem. It's a problem for all of us in the cleaning business where we have to have, we have to leave some type of proof that we were there. You know, there has to be proof left behind. And I work in healthcare. So I clean hospitals, nursing homes, senior livings. And in hospitals, it's really can be a challenge because most of the time we're cleaning a patient area, the patient isn't there. They're getting an x-ray, they're having surgery, right? So they never see the cleaner. And so they'll get a survey in the mail and it'll say something like, you know, how was housekeeping? And they'll say N.A. Like, what is N.A.? Well, they never saw housekeeping, so they don't think it. So we have to be creative. We're like, 
put, we're veeing the toilet paper. We're putting a sticker on it. We're, you know, putting little cards on the bedside table that says, you know, housekeeping was here or whatever. But it's and always a challenge. Card out, if somebody throws the card out, then this and that. Because, you know, we had people say, I want you to leave a business card every time you come to the house. Well, we, <laughs> but now with the new app that we have, we have, you have the option of a text or a uh, email. When we're going to be come to your house, we'll notify you 15 minutes before that we're coming to your house. So, again, the technology is now helping with that. Yeah, a million percent. But I saw it sounds like you two have the same struggle where you have to. Some people are like, I, you know, I don't know. I saw a dog poop out there. Well, your dog went after we came, right? I mean, that's possible. Well, and then you have people say, well, he never came and this and that. You know, it doesn't happen often. Well, like, did you go in the yard? Is there any poop? No, I never went in the yard. Well, <laughs> there's no poop in the yard. You know, we can't. But I didn't see him. <laughs> and they said, I was home the whole day. Well, you might have been in the bathroom when we came. We're not, my guys and girls, you know, they know what they're doing. When you, it's kind of like if you read the yard and you know the yard, you know where the dog goes after a few weeks. So you know that the dog doesn't go there. Your dog doesn't hit this and that. And you can streamline because the dog's a creature of habit. The only time where it really changes if you have a lot of snow and stuff like that in the wintertime. The dog is like us. He's not going to go to the end of the yard. He's going to go right here. So the dogs will change their mm -hmm. pattern. That's why we do in the wintertime, we have a winter policy because I'd say 99, let's say 7% of our people stay with us throughout the year. We have people that snowbird and stuff like that. But it's to their advantage to stay with us through the wintertime because we miss maybe, I don't know, three or four pickups a year because of snow, mm -hmm. but the dog changes its habits. So you're billed anyway for those times. Mm -hmm. But in the spring, we send out two man crews to scour the whole and all, yeah. and pick up everything. Now, if Smart. you went on hold, then we do by the bucket. So you're at $45, a five gallon bucket to pick up the poop. Now you might think, your dog is only pooping one five-gallon bucket. But let me tell you, people that haven't picked up since, you know, whatever, Thanksgiving, you're talking about 10 buckets. Oh, my gosh. Especially if it's a boxer, from what I understand. Ah, <laughs> I love that dog. <laughs> that dog keeps you in business. You should be promoting that dog. Get boxes. Everybody should get a boxer. That's the Forget about the golden dude. Awesome. <laughs> so smart. So great. I thank you so much for being on the show and coming and chatting with me. I think it's so great. How do people get a hold of you? How do they hire you? How do they find you? You could just Google Scoopy Doo if you're on Long Island and we come up and you know, and we have it automated where we can give you an automatic estimate of your property right there based on a lot of different things. And then you know, so you don't have to come out. No. And then we'll handle everything for you. We have it all streamlined. We're all over Long Island. We're in Westchester. My brother's actually in upstate New York. He does it up there too. And, you know, it's all good. It's all I good. Gotta, I got to tell you, Jim, that is, that's a point of contention that I'm, as I'm a cleaning business strategist, so I work with a lot of cleaning companies. And that's one of the things that everybody is really digging their heels in is they want to see the property before they bid it. Everybody's like, I want to see it. You know, I'll give you a free estimate and everybody wants to go see the property before they bid it. And I'm thinking, 
and I'm trying to coach people. I'm like, man, if you make it so that people can do it themselves, that they can just go, if you do it by room, do it by room, by zip code, whatever it is, but, you know, make it so that they can get that estimate, that slide sheet on their own. Right. We've simplified the process. You know, it's a many, many, many years of doing it. And as the, you know, technology advanced, we're able to do it now. It really, they enjoy it uh, because it's not a tedious thing, but, you know, we do follow up. We ask a few questions and stuff like that because we want to make sure that we're servicing everything right. But it's a very simple process. It's not involved. And then our guys come out and you can meet our scoopers and, you know, we just recently had one of my scoopers who passed, which broke our hearts. Don was 84 years old. He looked like he was 60 years old and he loved this job. He was with me for 17 years. Wow. The amount of people that reached out that, you know, they've had Don at their house since their dog was a puppy. And, you know, he would spend time with the dogs. He knew everybody. They knew him. You know, the guys that wind up coming to work for my company stay with us forever. They love That is super great. Are you hiring, by the way? We're always hiring. We're always expanding. So same thing. Is there a website that we can go to if we're looking for a job? You know, ScoopyDooNY.com. You can just go on there and, you know, just submit your name and phone number and then I'll call you up and we'll interview you. And it's Scoopy, not Scooby with a P. Yes. Not a B. Just do ScoopyDoo on Long Island or Westchester and we come right up. Yeah. Just Google it. Just Google Google it. it. Google it, young people. No, thank you. <laughs> no, I told you, man, we could talk for two hours. We gotta no go. question. No question. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to me about this. You know, my wife, like I said before we got on the air, she's asking every day if it's, when's he going to be on? When's he going to be on? When's he gonna... Great, man. A lot of fun to talk with you. She's so fascinated and interested, and she wants to complain about dog poop left in the yard. So she, <laughs> she wants Tell to talk to somebody about it. I'll talk to her for four hours. You know, what's funny is, as I'm thinking about where, where our dog poops, so like if you were to come service us, it'd be very easy as far as where he goes, because we put him on a runner, but we would also need you to police the front strip of the yard where all the other dogs walk. We do that in a yeah, lot you of have to because people say that, you know, there's some people call us specifically just to do, they don't even have a dog. <laughs> Well, you think about it, right? This guy doesn't want to fight with his neighbor. This one doesn't fight. How many times am I going to tell you this and that? And, you know, and you're meticulous about your property. You know, for $11 a week, problem solved. You're not fighting with the neighbors. We take it up. I got to tell you, I that it would be a very hard pill for me to swallow that I have to, if I didn't have a dog, <laughs> I would be very upset. You have a few like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that, no, I appreciate that. I'm a little bit too much of a default aggressive person. I would confront. I would confront before I paid to pick up after somebody else's dog. But I appreciate that that service is there. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, that's it. The House Gears Podcast. Thank you so much. Again, I can't thank you enough for being on. This has been so fun, so eye-opening. I had no idea from mapping out... Yeah, from mapping out, you know, how to walk a property to what kind of dog poops the most. I mean, just, I love it. It's just so great. If you enjoyed this show today, and how could you not possibly enjoy today's show, please make sure that you are subscribing to the show. Make sure you're sharing the show, liking the show, telling everybody about the show. And of course, if you want to be a guest on the show, 
and you own a cleaning business and it doesn't matter what kind of a cleaning business, clearly, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to talk about what you do, how you do it, and just keep highlighting the spotlight on the cleaning industry because it is just the greatest industry. There's so much opportunity out there. And look, Jim, up there. If you got a dog and you have kids and you know the kids don't want to clean up after the dog and you're constantly fighting with them, Jim said it. Let me see here. I wrote it down. Jim will end your family arguments. You will no longer have to listen to your kid. Well, about the dog poop anyway. Hire him. It's Scoopy Poo on Long Island in New York. Westchester too, right? Yep. Westchester too. Look him up. That's it. The House Gears Podcast, the cleanest hour in podcasting. That's it, the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their website are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later. <laughs>